This is Daryl from Pennsylvania. When I'm not busy arguing with a four-year-old, I'm stacking Benjamins. No, Daddy! Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's The Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and ever had someone tell you, that idea stinks? Happens to me every day, and I bet you've had it happen, too. Well, today's guest heard a thousand times that his ideas would never work. Today... We welcome a guy who had a horrible idea about renting movies over the internet. Seriously, who'd do that? He's the co-creator of Netflix, Mark Randolph. Plus, we'll discuss five new ideas experts think will help you manage your money better in 2021 than ever before. And we'll discuss a guy who decided to retire early after his company called Amazon apparently made it big. And even after all that goodness, we'll still have time to toss out the Haven Lifeline to Josh, who has a retirement plan he wants to roll over so he has fewer accounts to focus on. Is he missing anything? And I'll blow you away with my NASDAQ-themed trivia. And now, two guys who have somehow maintained the conviction to record this podcast, it's Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. Are you kidding me, Doug? This is by far the most fun thing we do all week. At least we have the podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Podcasting to Entertain Yourself for the Win. I'm Joe Salcihi, Average Joe Money on Twitter and across the card table from me again on a glorious Monday. It's my good friend, OG. Monday, Monday, Monday. Dude, we got a big show today. We got to clean up down here because the co-founder of Netflix is coming down to the basement. Punching above your weight class there, Saul C. High. Well, I'm, uh, you know, yes, number one, thanks to uh, our producer, Karen. But the big thing is, if we treat him right, we get mom to give him some of her special brownies. Maybe we'll get like a discount code. <laughs> or maybe he'll just come back. He isn't with Netflix anymore, but I'm sure he's got connections. Dude's got connections. Yeah, he knows a guy. Do you think he gets Netflix for free? They're like, no, Mark, you've left the company. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably right. I'm sure that's exactly how it is. We got a big show today. Mark Randolph, lots of news. Also, we're going to talk about our topic last week. We had our friends in the basement, our Facebook group, help us talk about how you actually try to get less busy and take a time out. We're going to hear what you had to say as well. But first, this episode sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's get this party started, shall we? Uh, sure. Why not? I mean, it is Monday. We're trying to be excited for the week. Go week. Go week. Woo. Aren't we excited that won the Super Bowl? Oh, you mean that the, our favorite team won? Oh, we can't say Super Bowl, can we? Do they get pissed off? Uh, well, we're such a small show. Who cares, man? Let's have them. True. Seriously, if we get Come sued, get me, NFL. If we get sued by the NFL... That would be great. Hashtag winning. Yes, that would be fantastic. Yeah, big day. All right, let's get this party started. So, no, we didn't care who won? Okay, cool. I'm just trying to break into the music and you just keep going. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our stacking Benjamin's headlines. Our first headline comes to us from uh, the New York Times. You know, when my dad stepped down from his job or AKA retired from his job at General Motors. He didn't get a front page, but this dude does. What's this all about? This is, see, this shows that some people get special treatment. Some guy stepped down from this little company called Amazon this last week. Oh yeah. Guy named Jeff stepped down as Amazon CEO, whatever that is. I had my hat in the ring, but they, uh, they didn't call. Uh, I'm sure they called you three or four times. You just missed the call. It said unknown caller. Right to voicemail. Spam call. Andy Jassy, the chief of Amazon's cloud computing division, will become chief executive. Mr. Bezos, the company's founder, will become executive chairman. When Jeff Bezos founded an online bookseller named Amazon in 1994, he said the question that was asked most frequently was, what's the internet? Mr. Bezos answered by building Amazon into $1.7 trillion behemoth that sold so many different items online, it became known as the everything store. In the process, he upended the retail industry, turned Amazon into a logistics giant, and expanded into cloud computing, streaming entertainment, and artificial intelligence power devices. For a time, he was the world's richest person. Do you think that he he retired because he finally found his number and figured out that he's fine? He got his fine number? Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. It was all because of the fact that he cut back on the lattes. Well, he was working really hard on the 4% rule. Got his budget together. If I just spend 4% of my, then I'm good. He's, I read it on the internet. By the way, Bezos is, I was taking a look earlier, OG, at his uh, net worth. And his net worth sprang up last year. He nearly doubled his net worth last year. It's the power of compounding. Right, I like the um, the tweet that I saw uh, after his announcement that he was retiring. It said, "It said I wonder how many uh, LinkedIn messages he got that says, Hi, Jeff, with your recent transition, are, <laughs> do you need help with your r- rolling over your 401k? <laughs> he goes, I bet there's been seven. And I wrote, eight. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't answered you there either, huh? I know, it's weird. So uh, how do you pronounce this? Uh, Bezos? So what do you envision yourself doing at this point forward? This is actually, this is interesting for a lot of things because I saw online commentaries, people saying, you know, one person would joke what I just joked, that he finally got to his financial independence number and he can retire. But then people very, very 
seriously said, well, now that he has enough money, he can do whatever he wants. Jeff, Jeff Bezos, I think, is the kind of person that's going to do whatever he wants to do anyway, OG. And I do get the feeling that when you have his kind of money, it has nothing to do with the money. I can't, I can't believe for a second that he's like, you know, I think I'm going to be okay. Yeah, I have absolutely no idea. So I can't, I can't even begin to comprehend it. And that's the thing. I mean, I think that he's been doing what he's wanted to be doing, you know, this whole time. I mean, that's why he's quit his job and started Amazon was because he wanted to do it. It wasn't about the cash to begin with. It just so happened that that's what happened. But um, he's had enough money to live on for 20 years. Well, and it shows that there's two ways to do things. I mean, very seriously about cutting out the lattes. You can shrink your way to retirement. You can shrink your way there. It is very possible to do. Cut your expenses, make it a lot less than your income. Or there's a second way, make crap loads of money. Yeah. I think he succeeded in the second. But you know, even those people, even as I say that though, you and I have talked about how many actors that make huge amounts of money and still go bankrupt. I think there is something to be said for some financial discipline, no matter how much money you make. You still got to get the money saved. Do you think he's going to start rebalancing? Do you think he's like, uh, am I a little overweighted in Amazon? Uh, so what's your portfolio look like? Well, it's a uh, 95% one company. And a billion in cash. <laughs> billion. <laughs> Any smart financial planner out there goes, you know what? Just do what you do. Uh, let's get that billion diversified. <laughs> I opened a Roth IRA with 2000 in it in uh, 97. How do I roll that over? Yeah, exactly. It's been in the Hartford this whole time. And I just, I was looking at those fees and I think that, I think that I've been paying 87 cents too much. Imagine Jeff Bezos family office fee. He actually, he probably has what Bill Gates has is they have so much money that they just buy a building and fill it with people. Like that's their fee. They just have a whole new company that is in charge of their stuff. I had a friend in Detroit who worked for the Ford family, family office. Oh, cool. They manage the Ford family money. That's what they did. Like the whole thing, right? Like all the airplanes and the and and if somebody wants to go on vacation, they have a department that's in charge of making that happen. Yeah, and all that sort of took stuff. Took care yeah. of their properties, took Super care of their cool. money, took care of all their things. I have another friend also in Detroit who did the same thing for the Illich family, the people behind uh, behind Little Caesars Pizza and the Red Wings and the Red Wings. and the Tigers and the t- you're right. Do you, you know, there was a time when you said the Red Wings first, right? You're like, oh, I own the Red Wings. Do you think now that Chris Illich, as he's walking down the street, like, who are you? He's like, yeah, you know that pizza? I'm the pizza guy. Yeah, the pizza <laughs> stuff. Oh, wait a minute, aren't you the guy that owns that really crappy hockey team? Oh, hey, look at the time. Hmm, gotta go. They were good for a while. Hey, before we get to our second headline, we have another fun person showing up at TikTok Investors, OG. Some more. TikTok loveliness hit the airwaves. And uh, this is from, well, this is from late last week. And the video, which you won't be able to see, is a gentleman's screen going from uh, AMC to GameStop. Let's just say I've just lost a lot of money. I'm not selling. It's my birthday and this has happened. It's horrible. It's horrible losing money, but I'm not selling. I'm staying strong. Don't let the billionaires win. I'm staying strong. 
because the billionaires know that you got 123 shares of this crap and we can't assault that building when Billy Bob's got his 123 shares. You had your win. You had your, you literally won. Yeah. And the number of people that don't realize that you won, you did win. And now you got to get the hell out. Get the hell out. Too late. It is too late. Too late. <sighs> I'm not going to let the billionaires win. That's why we keep podcasting. Cause we're not going <laughs> to let the billionaires win this podcasting thing. We're squatting on this land, squatting on this RSS feed. It's just so hard for people to really comprehend the wide gap between you having a million dollars and someone else having a billion dollars. You know what I mean? Like it's such a chasm that it's incomprehensible. Tony Robbins did this thing a couple of years ago. You know, how many, how, how long ago was a million seconds ago? Oh, you told me. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't remember it off the top of my head. How, how oh, what the numbers were. It was something like 12 days. Clearly a million seconds ago. Yeah. I remember exactly. I was there. You were. Yeah. But then like, what was a billion seconds ago? It's like 30 years. <laughs> like the difference between 12 days and 30 years and a trillion seconds is like, more time than in recorded history. It's like, if you think that you're sticking it to the man because you put 200 grand into GameStop and you're really going to show those billionaires who's boss. And they went from a billion dollars to 700 million because of your, you know. But if you think about it, I mean. You didn't stick it to anybody. They have $700 million. Well, but hold on. You did. I mean, they felt a little pinprick, but you did win the day and you did, if you got out, made a lot of money. But the thing is, is that so, so this really crappy brokerage service, Robinhood, does have a great name. And when you go and you watch, you know, I watch a lot of Disney stuff. I, I don't know if you know, but I watched Robinhood. And what do they always do? They get in, they do whatever it is and they get out, right? It's this very quick thing. You don't take Sir John's castle and hang out there all day waiting for waiting for King Richard to come back from the Crusades and hang everybody. You don't do that. You get in, you make your money, and you get out. That's the whole Robin. If, if you were going to do it that way, right? Yeah. 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 Well, for me, for me, that's how you beat the big boys. They did a great job of finding the flaw. They also mm -hmm. did a great job of this semi coordinated seeming attack very quickly. And man, did they boost that thing to the moon because of that attack. And they caught the hedge funds unaware, get in, catch them unaware. If you're going to make your mark, get the money, get out. Then you can high five yourself. And you're right. The billionaire goes, okay, what happened? We lost right. a million. And her husband goes, oh, wait, that's all. We only lost him. Oh, let's go to dinner. Yeah. Any. Yep. Anyway. Sad thing is that for most people on this, it went the other way. Our second headline comes to us from uh, entrepreneur.com, the top five fintech trends that will shape financial markets in 2021. Of course, if you're new to the show, we have a uh, segment every Friday called Fintech Friday. So we're very interested, uh, OG and I, and all the cool new stuff that's on your phone that you can use to get ahead more quickly. This is written by James Jorner. Number one on James' list is autonomous finance. Autonomous finance is on the top of the list of outstanding fintech innovations, juggling work with utility bill payments 
Insurance, cable subscriptions, et cetera, can be overwhelming. Autonomous finance takes the burden off consumers' shoulders and automates the financial decision-making process with artificial intelligence and machine learning. I was actually talking to Aditi Shaker from Zeta is going to be on the show on Friday, OG. And she was talking about this thing that we are headed toward. Your bank account knows that your utility bill is due and it's already optimized the right day to pay that. And all you do is give it permission to just go ahead and pay it. If you got plenty of money there, yep, just go ahead and take care of that for me. Oh, my credit card. Well, that, that stuff kind of already exists. I mean, when we do, I know you don't see a lot of this on the on the on the business side of stuff. You know, I just <laughs> I give you the highlights. We're broke, but the um, uh, but but QuickBooks kind of does this. It goes, hey, it looks like you have this recurring thing. It looks like you're going to hit it on this day. Here's kind of like a forecasted cash flow of what this might look like over the next. I can see how that's coming. But this takes it to the next level. Not only do they forecast and they tell you, but they will actually make the move. Hey, uh, just press this button and I can make the move for you. Great. Uh, Number two, we actually talked at the end of the year to Peter Polson from Tiller about this one. Open banking. This is exciting. Traditional banks are most notable for safeguarding people's money. With growing awareness of financial education, more people want to invest their money rather than keep it in the bank. Third-party financial institutions are giving traditional banks a run for their money and offering flexible, high-income-generating investments, and consumers are keying into it via open banking. And man, this has just started. What it means, OG, is you know how when you used to have, we'll pick on Clarity Money because they're going bye-bye. Sadly, Clarity Money going away, an app that I really liked for budgeting. Mm -hmm. But on Clarity Money, I had to go through and let Clarity interface with my bank, and I used the Clarity app to put in all my passwords. So I have to trust that Clarity is going to be safe with my passwords. They tell me they are. And I mean, I know who the founder is and I know the people that work on that platform. So I believed it, but I have to trust it. Well, now with open banking, it works much more like these third party permissions you do for other parts of your life where it says, Hey, you just get a, you just get a blink from your bank account. Say your bank account is at chase. Hey, OG Tiller wants to have a read only of how you spend money. Doesn't want to see everything, just wants read only. Will you allow that? Yes. Now Tiller doesn't know any of my passwords. I don't have to input anything in the Tiller system. It's all controlled at Chase and it only is push out. So the chance of a hacker stealing your money, a lot less than it used to be. I think that's pretty exciting. Anytime I can cut the hackers out of the business, I'm in. <laughs> Sign me up. Every time I don't have to bring Igor along with me while I'm, uh, while I'm my Russian friend. Number three, digital only banks. Of course, we've seen that all over the place now. I think that's the quickest thing. I think some of these uh, digital banks are pretty exciting. Between One Finance, Chime, some pretty exciting stuff going on in digital only banking. Number four, financial literacy. Uh, of course, people will be able to monitor more easily, like from your phone. I actually have this for my, for my driving with USAA. So I installed this app that I gave it permission to follow me little big brother there on the part of USAA, follow me when I drive. And if I leave the phone down and I don't slam on the brakes, it gives me uh, a discount. And it says right now I'm in line for a 9% discount next quarter because of the fact that I don't pick up the phone when I drive and I don't slam on the brakes. Do they know that you're tying it to your steering wheel so that you can still type? (laughs) 
Actually, it was pretty funny. There was a, I had a hands-free conversation one time and it dinged me. It, it actually, it didn't ding me. I don't think it dinged me in a negative way, but it said it wasn't going to make it a positive because I had a hands-free conversation. Huh. I'm, like, I'm like, but I use voice activation. Like, nope, you're not focused on the road. So can't give you discounts if you're not focusing on the road, which is why we need autonomous vehicles. Let's do that. And then number five, we just talked about voice technology, making uh, some big gains. Can't wait to see all those. We'll link to these on our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. In just a second, OG and I'll have our takeaways from, man, a lot of headlines today. But first, when you're done listening to OG and I, another show that we find very entertaining and informative and check this out, OG, responsible is our friends Don and Tom over at Talking Real Money. You've got these two guys that know how to explain everything in layman's terms because of the fact that they both have a history in financial broadcasting. Don McDonald, 30-year financial talk radio veteran, and Tom Cock, who's the former host of Serious Money on PBS, get together every episode. And well, you can even tell from the topics, from the headlines, what they're talking about is so fun. Their latest episode, Investing is Dull, is perfect at exactly what, what uh, we espouse. Disadvantages of trading, GameStop and Grape Nuts, stupid stock speculators, trolling for dollars, you'll never be Buffett, last year's hottest fun, and more. So if you want to learn how to invest better, worry less, spend less in fees and commissions, Listen on your favorite podcast service or at talkingrealmoney.com. We'll also have a link in our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. That's Talking Real Money. Go check it out. Give them a few episodes because we absolutely love it. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. So I think our takeaway o takeaway o's. I think our takeaway o's OG takeaway o our takeaway o's are number one: just make a bunch of money on an online everything store. And don't worry about being so frugal. Isn't that number one? Yeah. And then number two is when it comes to fintech, man, there's a lot coming. Stay on top of it because this world's a changing quickly. Waiting in the Wings is a guy that I've wanted to talk to for a long time, OG. Mark Randolph is a serial entrepreneur. He's created many companies. Of course, the one that you and I may know best is a little company called Netflix. Now, Mark works with other entrepreneurs, teaching them how to push through and take their idea from idea stage to successful. And before you tune out because you're not an entrepreneur... These same things, OG, work with your family, work with your job. These are some tips 
But if, if you look at the things that entrepreneurs do and you treat your family financial picture as if your family is a business, you are going to have a much, much better go at it when it comes to managing your money. So let's say hello to the man himself. He's got a new podcast out about this topic, by the way. We'll talk to him about that. Mark Randolph. And on my dad's shortwave radio, it's our new friend, Mark Randolph. How are you, man? I'm pretty well, Joe. Thanks very much for having me on. Well, now I want to make sure that I get the name right on this. One of the businesses you founded, do you pronounce it Netflix? Is that how you pronounce it? No, it's a, it's a hearty, Netflix. So, <laughs> uh, and I've been fighting that for freaking 20 years. Every, <laughs> I've almost given up at this point. You and Reed going back and forth. Like how well, you yeah, gonna... Reed wanted the hard E because of his name. And I go, yeah. Reed, okay. Well, yeah. I'll give you a touch of that bone. Were you ever told, by the way, that that name won't work? Oh, my God. Yeah. In fact, there was this moment, you know, you operate for the first six months with a beta name because you need something to put in the checks and pay people and do all that crap. And you go, we'll figure out the real name when we get closer to launch. And then, of course, you get there and you go, oh, my God, everything I want is taken. Everything I want, I can't get the domain name for or it means – you know, some obscenity in Polish and you're, you're kind of, you're kind of desperate. And we had, we had this whiteboard and on one side we had a list of all the names, a list of all these words that were kind of evocative of the internet. And the other column was words evocative of movies. And so we just began drawing the lines and people didn't like Netflix because I mean, you're probably of an age and old. They used to call porn movies a skin flicks. And so everyone goes, I wouldn't know. I'd have no idea what you're talking about. You just read it for the articles. That's right. And everyone goes, it sounds like that. I don't like that. And that X, that just accentuates that. But, you know, it sounded porny, but Netflix was it. And now looking back, it it seems to work okay. Yeah, I think it. I think it's worked out all right for everybody, Mark. <laughs> when it comes to all the, the ideas you've had, you've started seven companies. Fact check me on any of this, Mark, at any time. But I think no, so far so good. founded seven, probably had far more ideas than that. Many, many more ideas than that. Where does Netflix rank in terms of the ideas that you thought would take off versus companies you thought might not take off? <laughs> no, well, listen, the reason I, my book and my new podcast is called That'll Never Work is because that's what everyone said. And they said it about every business I've done. They said it about this crazy idea to rent DVDs by mail. And the reality is, you know, they're right. You, you, you pick this idea, which you're excited about, and you launch it, and they don't work because they're just ideas. They're just starting points. And the challenge is not to figure out What's a great idea and spend all this time researching and dreaming and thinking because you're going to be wrong. You have to take whatever the idea you have, make it as promising as it can be, but realize it's flawed and just start. That's what happened with Netflix. Our original idea was very different than what – obviously, hugely different than what Netflix became today. It started out selling DVDs. It started out renting DVDs a la carte, no subscription. You take those bad ideas – and you modify them and you try new things and you experiment. And the skill is where you pivot to. Are you then a fan of you know, the whole idea of minimum viable product? Get it out there, see what people think before you shine it up? Yes and no. I mean, I'm a huge fan of the part that says get it out there. I hate minimal viable product. I'm a big fan of the minimal unviable product. The trick is testing your idea without actually doing it. Picking something which is a proxy for the idea, completely non-repeatable and non-scalable. 
because that allows you to go even faster. And that's a kind of a hard abstract thing to say. But if you're spending time working on the minimal viable product, you're usually going way too slow. So yes, to go as fast as you can, but don't let this preconception of how polished it has to be. I've never gotten to the bottom of always saying, oh, I can make it a little crappier. Before we get to your current project, which I'm super excited about, and I want to play a trailer from here in a second, I've got just one more Netflix question that I've heard. I think most of our listeners now have probably heard the story about you and Reed going to this building in downtown Dallas, which of course is Blockbuster. You're you're partnering with and selling the company to Blockbuster, I believe, for $50 million, and they laugh you out of the room. The question I really have isn't about that. The question I have was something you said at a speech in Copenhagen. You said, then I realized on this somber flight back home, now we're going to have to kick their ass. <laughs> were, were you really thinking that, that now we're going to kick Blockbuster's ass? Yes, but not necessarily out of this sense of, oh, hooray, we're, we're an inch away from failure, but we're going to still win. <laughs> it was it was more this realization that this deus ex machina, you know, the hand of God that was going to pluck us from danger wasn't there. That this deal we thought was going to save us not only wasn't going to save us, they were going to compete with us. And it was this realization that sometimes, in fact, quite frequently in the startup world, there's no other way out. Or my dad used to sometimes say, listen, Mark, sometimes the only way out is through. And I think that we're going to kick their ass statement was, okay, I guess we're all in. We're going to have to do it. And the only way that we're going to survive as a company is if we eventually can get past Blockbuster. And, you know, it took us another 10, 12 years, but eventually we we did. On your new podcast, you are advising new business owners, existing business owners, we have a bunch of people listen to this show that will never own a business, Mark. So I want to ask you a couple questions that probably won't show up on the new show, but are questions that you will know the answer to better than most people. When it comes to interviewing someone, everybody that listens to the show at one point or another is going to interview. You've interviewed, I would imagine, thousands of people, not just entrepreneurs, people who are going to work for you. What really lights you on fire that you hear from somebody who might be an interviewee for you? Side projects. I mean, by far. In fact, especially when I'm interviewing an engineer, you know, a programmer, is you can talk about their background, where they worked, what their skill sets are, their education, but blah, blah, blah. The thing that you learn is when you say, so what are you working on on the side? What are you building? And letting them go off on this passion project they have. Because that's what you're looking for. You're looking for this spark. You're looking for that all in. You're looking for this almost compulsion to create something. Um, and when I see that, not just in an engineer, but in anybody, I go, this is the kind of person I have. They're not in this for the title or the salary or the status. They're in it because they want to build something. That's who you want by your side when you're taking on these jobs, these tasks that everyone else says will never work. And then there had to have been times when people were asking for raises. And this is a question we get all the time, especially now during COVID, Mark. You got, you know, some companies are having a tough time. Companies like Netflix doing very well because everybody's staying at home. What's the best way for somebody to come up to you and ask Mark Randolph for a raise? Okay, so now you're going to get me into dangerous territory here because I think about this a little bit differently than most people oh. in most companies. I want to pay you what you're worth. I absolutely do. I want to pay you slightly more than you're worth. But we need to determine together 
what you're truly worth. So I love it if someone says, hey, listen, I've been out interviewing. I don't feel insulted. I don't feel, oh, God, those illoyal <gasps> Yeah. I go, fantastic. What are you hearing? What is the market right now for somebody with your skill sets? Because those things fluctuate dramatically. And I don't want to be stuck in some rot about, oh, we did a, we did 4% last year and we can only – that's ridiculous because – Certain roles and certain companies have dramatically fluctuating market values. And if I'm not recognizing the true market value, I might be able to pull a fast one. I might be able to go, look how smart I am saving the company money, but I've screwed myself because the person is going to realize it eventually. And then A, go mark as a dick, and B, they're going to leave the company. I'd rather pay you what you're worth. We've got to figure that out. Unfortunately, it cuts both ways. In other words, if you're in a job which was highly in demand a few years ago and it's no longer in demand, I'm not going to feel that it's reasonable to say I'm going to give you a big raise just because you have tenure or because you're a great guy. So it all comes down to answering your question. I want you to come in with some concrete reasons why you're worth what you um, say you are. And if we agree on that, I am all in. Well, let's talk to entrepreneurs now, Mark, because that's what lights your fire at this point. I want to start off, if you don't mind, by playing the trailer from the new show. This is the trailer for This Will Never Work. How many times have you been told that will never work? Maybe you were describing your business idea to a spouse or a friend or even a potential investor. My name is Mark Randolph, and believe it or not, I've been told that will never work all my life. I heard it for each of the seven companies I founded, including Netflix, where I also served as the company's first CEO. And we all know how that idea turned out. But the best thing about proving the doubters wrong is that along the way, you learn a ton of stuff. And now, as an advisor, investor, public speaker, and best-selling author, I get the opportunity to work with other entrepreneurs on their nascent businesses, helping them turn their ideas into sustainable companies. And that's what my new podcast, That Will Never Work, is all about. For all the challenges that the global pandemic has presented, it's also created new opportunities. Lots of folks are starting or leaning into new businesses, fearlessly trying to make a new life for themselves. On this podcast, I offer the same sort of tough love business advice that my colleagues have relied upon for years. Only this time, I'm speaking with folks from around the globe. I can't, I can't wait to hear this podcast. This is totally up my I alley. I've in a while. That's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> and by the way, it's funny because I, I called it, this will never work. And it's, that will never work, but people that will is, find that. it. Let's dive in, Mark. Do you hear new entrepreneurs struggle with the same few hurdles over and over? Is there kind of a system or is it, is it different for everybody? No, it's really funny you say that because I was concerned. I was going, what, what, I'm going to go, go through the six or eight common things and then what do we talk about? But I've been amazed at the range of things that people struggle with. And I shouldn't have been surprised because when I started off kind of doing mentoring 15, 16, 17 years ago, you know, I thought I'd be solving problems about go to market and financing. But people struggle with a lot of personal things, too. What do I do about my co-founder who's not working out? What do I do about my relationship breaking down? What do I do about this board member who, wow, he was my best friend when things were going well, but I get the sense he doesn't like me now. I mean, 
These are the things they don't teach you in business school. These are the things you don't necessarily learn on the way up. And it's been remarkable, this huge range of uh, issues that early stage uh, people building businesses bump into, in addition to this, the, the common ones like lack of focus or um, not knowing which to do next or realizing how to bring the right people on, how to build the right culture. How often is it as simple as just self-doubt? Is what is simple as self-doubt? It, j- just the problem is as simple as just self-doubt. Because I know even uh, for me, I feel fear all the time, Mark. And I consider myself an, you know, an entrepreneur, not just with this show, but with my previous financial planning firm that I owned. Self-doubt was there all the time. No, I totally get it. I, I def- the reason I didn't pick up on it is I don't call it self-doubt. I basically, pardon me for saying this, I call it excuses, oh. which is like everyone goes, oh, I really have this great idea, but- then they all come out, but I need to graduate, but I need to be my, I need to learn how to program, but I have to raise money, but I need a co-founder, but, 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 And what I've learned is no, if you have an idea, the best way to figure out if it's going to work is just to do it and to realize that all those things you believe are the impediments are false. That if you can frame it correctly, if you can learn how to try your idea without actually building it, you can get started right away and getting started is where the learning begins. So yes, there is there is a lot of self-doubt in people. People aspire to this and they don't think they can do it. Part of my role on earth is to demonstrate to people that you do not need I, I am I've had a bunch of success, but I'm not a god. I don't have magical powers. I've learned some very basic, simple approaches, and that's really what I try and show people in a concrete, specific way on the podcast. Should have gone hashtag spoiler when you said you don't have magical powers. I mean, (laughs) I don't know if I want to listen anymore, Mark. (laughs) You you talk about not having the right founder. And I had a good mentor that I work with at one point that told me that I should ask more often who, not how. So many things a founder doesn't know how to do. So ask who can do it. How important is it having the right people in your corner, Mark, when you're going to get this new idea moving? I think it's essential. I mean, the sole role, in my opinion, of a manager, and I put a CEO in that position, the sole role is, one, to put the right people in the right seats, and then two, to give them all the information they need for them to make good decisions. It is not to be the decider. It is not to be the person who tells everyone what to do. Having the right people around you is critical, and it's this combination of skill set, It's a combination of work ethic. It's a combination of creativity, persistence, and it changes. And I wish it makes that's that we can get into that as the second thing I've talked about. I've talked about this as well is it changes. You build this people around you to get started. And then all of a sudden in a year and a half, two years, you need different people. And that's a whole different story. But who you have around you is, um, is a critical, critical thing. Why is that? Why do you need different people later? The nature of the business changes when it's small, when you're still struggling to find product market fit. Everybody's a jack of all trades. Everyone comes to work not sure what problem they'll be solving that day. And they need to have this flexibility to jump from one day I'm doing this, next day I'm doing this, our challenge is this. And that's a certain type of person. Eventually, if you're lucky, you begin to realize what your business is really all about, what you do have to have be repeatable and scalable. And then you have a different level of person who's much, much better at optimization, who's much more focused in a specific skill set, or who's less of a doer and more of a manager. And I mean, speaking personally, it is the most brutal thing to bring someone into your office and sit them down, a person 
that worked tirelessly along with you for those first two or three years, getting this business off the ground, who would do anything for you, but they're not the right person to mm. take on that senior position and have to tell them, I'm sorry, I'm bringing someone in um, over you. Just even saying that right now, it's just a heartbreaking thing to have to do. But fundamentally, your obligation is to the business. And that is what's required sometimes. That's so hard. I'm sure that you've uh, already recorded many of these episodes or at least a lot of the interviews and all the consulting you've done. Anything really surprise you so far? Yeah, I'm surprised at the range of ideas that people are coming up with. They are so out there and exciting. Out there I mean, in a good I, way, I'm assuming. Oh, no, in a, in a fantastic way. I mean, people come in with these stories. Like, for example, one one young woman I was talking to had spent six or seven years working as a coach for a pickup artist. In other words, <laughs> training training young men to help pick up women. And I'd learned all these incredible, I guess, incredible skills, kind of a creepy thing. It's that, it's, had, it's that, wolf, it's that movie, I think, uh, Hitch. Yeah, exactly. And, and then had a change of heart and said, these skills that I'm teaching can be used for good instead of evil. And now she works on how training people to form deeper, more meaningful connections. And to work through some, with someone like that about how do you scale, how do you find the right kind of PR for your business is just fascinating, not just for the personal story, but for the business story. I mean, another person, I mean, they're all over the place. Another person has this indoor action adventure park they're building. And I'm going, oh my God, so you're going to serve alcohol. You're going to have zip lines. Oh my, <laughs> like, uh, what, what could possibly go wrong? What exactly? I think I use those exact same words. But each time I, each time I get on with someone for our, our call, I am so excited by it because I'm just naturally curious and to be given the opportunity to find out what someone, where they come up with this and what are they doing to make it real? And then hopefully give them a little nudge or a shove and put them on the right path. I, uh, I miss it every time I don't get to do it. Just the marketing for the former pickup artist. That is totally, <laughs> that's, that's my episode. Just how do you, you market go. these things that are so difficult to market? The podcast is that will never work. This comes out on February 1st, Mark. I think you're out at this about the same time, right? Yes, February 2nd, which is Groundhog yes. Day. So uh, we'll hope that this <laughs> podcast actually, uh, I can't remember a see your shit, whether you want to see your shadow or don't see your shadow. But either way, <laughs> let's hope it sticks around for a long time after that. Awesome. And we'll link to the podcast at iTunes and at Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts on our show notes page at stackybenjamins.com. Mark, thank you so much for spending time with us and giving people some uh, hints on whether they work for somebody or if they're an entrepreneur, helping us all stack a few Benjamins. I appreciate it. Oh, Joe, it's such a pleasure. This was really, really fun. Stackers, I'm your pal, Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And did you know that James Dean was born on this date all the way back in 1931? While he and I are both badass, don't tell me what to do, don't push me around type of guys, I'll admit I never knew James Dean was an actor. It says here he starred in a film called Rebel Without a Cause, but I only know him from his name on those amazing breakfast foods. I mean, have you tried these things? In fact, let's set up a griddle right here on Joe's mom's electric hot plate. Plug this in and here they... Whoa! Can you smell what the Dugs are cooking? Well, not only are we making a treat for... Insert the time of day you're listening to this. We're also going to serve up a slice of Doug's amazing trivia. 
James Dean shares a birthday with the NASDAQ Stock Exchange. That, compared to old Jim, is actually pretty young. Starting on this date back in 1971. Here's your question, stackers. What does NASDAQ stand for? I'll be back with your answer faster than you can double down on some GME-covered calls. What, too soon? Too late? If you're an active duty service member, a veteran, DOD, civilian, or military branch member, you can join Navy Federal. That means if you served in any branch of the military, it doesn't just have to be the Navy. It could be the Army, Marine Corps, Air Force, Coast Guard. You can join Navy Federal Credit Union. On average, Navy Federal members earn and save $361 more per year. You could pay no fees, get low rates and rate discounts, plus earn cash back and grow your savings. Navy Federal puts members first by helping them save money, make money, and enjoy peace of mind and security through personalized, around-the-clock service. Plus, now's a great time to join. Have a large credit card balance after the holidays? Let Navy Federal Credit Union help you rebuild your priorities, make a plan to do away with high-interest credit card debt, and transfer your balance to a Navy Federal credit card with a low intro, APR, and no balance transfer fee. You can pick the right card to help you take back control. Visit NavyFederal.org. Navy Federal Credit Union, our members are our mission. Insured by NCUA, dollar value of Navy Federal's 2019 member giveback study, 5.99 to 18% variable APRs based on product type and creditworthiness, up to $1 cash advance transaction fees at non-Navy Federal ATMs. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Well, don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment's the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal, rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line, and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words... Your money's breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money in the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Hey, stackers. Hitch your modern day version of James Dean, Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And before I go wash Joe's mom's windows or deliver today's trivia answer, I gotta say that my absolute favorite thing about James Dean's sausages are the patties, not the links. What's up with those links anyways? They say pre-cooked on the packaging, but I still gotta cook them? What's that all about? If they're cooked, why do I need to recook them? It's almost as bad as when I go to Starbucks and I order a latte, you know, Latin for a lot, and the drink comes like in this little tiny cup. Wouldn't that be a little A? And why does Starbucks try to scam us by calling a small a tall? Look, a tall is a tall. If you put the word tall on something, you better have to strap that thing on your back or at least grab it with two hands or something. It's ridiculous. It's all so confusing. No wonder James Dean gave up and became an actor. I would have too, Jimmy. But there's one thing in life we all know is straightforward, besides arrows, and that's my trivia. So let's go. Your question was, since the NASDAQ exchange opened up on this date in 1971, what does NASDAQ stand for? Well, NASDAQ stands for the National Association of Securities Dealers Automated Quotations. 
And now that exchange has grown to a market cap of $17.2 trillion, spread across around 8,100 company listings, including names like Microsoft and Amazon. Well, time for me to prove again that I'm a rebel like James Dean by going out and washing the windows counterclockwise. Take that, Joe's mom. Nobody puts Doug in a box. See ya. Big thanks to Mark Randolph for hanging out with us. You know, OG, I think Mark has a great point and something that we didn't talk about a lot, he and I, but I also want to emphasize is if you tell family members what your ideas, they'll be the first ones to say that will never work. Oh yeah. And it's, and it's not because they're doom and gloomers. It's because they care about you and anything people have never heard of before is going to be a sure sign that you're going to be the relative that they're going to be embarrassed about for a long time. Well, and I, I got to imagine it comes from a position of love too, right? Absolutely. Where it's like, you know, I don't want you to, <laughs> I don't want you to ruin your life. Don't start a bookstore on the computer. What's wrong with you? <laughs> who would, who would buy books on the computer? That will never be a thing. That'll never happen. You've got stores you can go to. Yeah, that will never work. Hey, let's roll with Haven Lifeline and tackle some of life's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency put what you value first. I'm digging my put options on GameStop. <laughs> you you, you got to be. No. Well, one of you in that crowd's making money. So Greedy when others are fearful. Fearful when others are greedy. There has to be somebody. I like those Jimmy Dean sausages, to Doug's point. Oh. Well, there's that. Our friends, Haven Life Insurance Agency, put what you value first. It says here, your loved ones and your time, but your time with some good put options on GameStop and sausage, can't lose. That's why they may buy quality term life insurance, super simple, so you can get back to living. Head to stackybedjamins.com forward slash Haven Life to get your free quote. Their application is simple. It's online. You get an instant coverage decision. Prices are affordable and policies issued by Mass Mutual. So even though you get the aggressive startup that streamlines everything in the foreground, in the background, you got a 160 year old insurer that's going to be there when you need them. Today, we're going to throw out the lifeline to Josh. Say hi, Josh. Hey, Joe and OG. This is Josh from the great state of North Carolina. My question's about the thrift savings plan. Once I retire from active duty in the military, I will no longer be able to contribute to my TSP. What I'm wondering is if I should roll that money into a Roth IRA and continue to contribute to it. I like to have all my money in one place and look at one financial picture. Or am I going to miss out on some benefits that I'm unaware of in the TSP by letting it grow there until retirement age? Since there's only two people listening to this podcast, I hope the other guys in the military. Otherwise, it's only going to address 50% of your audience. Leave it to Josh. To remember the ratings, remember the ratings, both people got to be entertained or we're screwed. <laughs> we're <in trouble. laughs> big, big trouble. Hey, thanks for your service, Josh. And, uh, Oh gee, I think, uh, we can tackle this one. What do you think? I think so. Uh, well, I think this applies to just about any retirement plan. Once you're no longer working, not just a TSP. So if you, if you heard TSP and you went, Oh yeah, this doesn't apply to me. Uh, it might not just the TSP, but just any workplace plan that you contributed to and you're no longer there. Generally speaking, the vast majority of people end up with their workplace plans in their own separate 
Roths or traditional IRAs, depending on the, whether the contribution was a Roth contribution or whether the contribution was a traditional 401k contribution. When you contribute money to the Roth side and you get a match, the match is always going to be pre-tax. So if you do a rollover from a workplace plan like TSP and you had, you know, you put in 20,000 a year, 19,500 a year for 10 years and you got a match, the match money is going to go to an IRA. Uh, your contribution, your Roth contribution is going to go to a Roth. And then, yeah, you can continue to contribute to it, assuming that you meet all the income requirements and, and so on and so forth. I think it's almost uniformly better to have all of your money in one place. There's no benefit of diversification between TSP, Fidelity, and Schwab. You know, people say, well, shouldn't I be diversified? That's relative to the actual investments that you own. Fidelity is just as strong as Schwab is. And I would say just as strong as a TSP, but okay, it's not because that's a government. I get it. But nevertheless, it's safe. It's your money. So it's wherever you want to put it. The benefit of keeping it in the TSP in particular for Josh's question is because of the simplicity and because of the fact that it is pretty low cost. So you can buy a C fund, an S fund, an I fund, split it up however you want. Don't buy F or G or any of those lifestyle stupid target date funds. And it'll be cheap and it'll be fine. But it's one more thing to think about. It's one more thing to keep track of. It's one more thing to remember to update your beneficiary on. One more place to remember to tell that you've moved, all that sort of stuff. Just to back up and define one of the things that OG said for people who don't know, you know, he talked about how the match will go into pre-tax. The rest is Roth. Roth contributions have to go to a Roth. Pre-tax contributions go to pre-tax. So you might end up opening two different places. If you open it at the same company, like OG was talking about, you'll still have it all on one dashboard. But if that's all pre-tax money right now, you can't roll it over to the Roth. It's going to be a two-step process and you're going to have to pay the tax on that money. So get some help from somebody who understands taxes before you do that. The only other thing I'll add is that in some cases, if you plan on retiring before 59 and a half, while you can get the money out of a an IRA uh, before 59 and a half, that money is, it's a little complicated and you got to follow some strict rules about getting it out. Many 401k plans will let you, if you're fully retired and you're within X number of years, depends on, you got to read the plan document, you might be able to legally take the money out without penalty early. So you might want to roll most of it over, but leave enough there for the for the early time. I don't know. Yeah, it kind of defeats the purpose of the make life simple argument, but um, it's really six one half does the other. It's whatever you want to do. But I think that if you were to think about the future, you're probably going to end up with a Roth and a traditional IRA, which is a, an amalgamation of all of your other workplace plans over the years. And having it in one place is going to make your life a lot easier. Thanks for the question, Josh. If you've got a question for us, head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash voicemail. And we're happy also to answer your question. Stackingbenjamins.com forward slash voicemail. Before we say goodbye to today's show, in our Facebook group, The Basement, I posed a question about last week's interview with Tony Crabb last Monday, OG. And Tony talked about the big price we pay for being busy. We think that we're getting a lot more done because we we're busy. We think that things are going great because we're busy. And he made a great case for the fact that it's not great. It isn't great. And a lot of the things that we do are just flailing. And so part of what makes up a really good life, according to a lot of coaches, is having some free time taking some free days, relaxing, and uh, getting yourself reset. So I asked our Basement Facebook group 
to chime in. And uh, they had some good stuff to say. Adrian said, sometimes if I don't decide to take a quote slow day, my mind or body does. <laughs> On my slow days, I can't focus and I have no motivation. Even when I had all the energy and motivation to get stuff done, whether it's chores around the house or tackling schoolwork as a grad student, it's hard for me to pick my slow days when it feels like there's not enough time in the day to get what I want done. But I think it's a cautionary tale, right? I love what Adrian says. If I don't take that day, OG, because frankly, to her point, at the end of her discussion there, she thinks she doesn't deserve it, right? I got so much I got to do. I don't deserve it. But your body's going to take one anyway if you don't. Yeah. And I think this is a backwards thinking for most people. They think that if you work really hard, then you finally earn some time off. And uh, you and I think that in order to work really hard, you have to have had time off. That's the other, that's kind of flipping it around. So the first thing that goes on my calendar every year are all the days that I'm not doing stuff. Like here's all the stuff I'm not going to do. And then let's fill in the stuff that I've got to get done. And I, and I find when I started doing that, because as you know, better than anybody, I resisted that. And I started doing it too. And I'll tell you, when I started putting time constraints on my day and I had to get it done in this box of time and I couldn't expand that box, I got better at work. I got a lot better at work. And I started batching things so that uh, instead of switching, right? Uh, there's all these studies that, that show that when the mind switches from task A to task B, we have trouble switching. So if I can do the same repetitive task six or seven times before I switch to something else, I'm likely to get more done. So between batching and setting a time box, it's been great. Doug Rodriguez says he takes a nap. I got to tell you, man, twice a week, I do this too. You take naps? Uh, no, I'm not a 50-year-old. Okay, easy. I'm, I'm, I'm standing right here. I, I got to tell you, I t I've taken naps a good part of my career. Love it. Love it. On a day when I'm going to be working- I just go to bed. You like, do. I don't stay up. That's true. If it gets close to 10, I am ready to- And you know, that's the difference between you and I, because I, I often I, stay up very just, late. Yeah, I go to bed generally around 10 and don't get up until 8, so- this is a good one from Dita Chance Reynolds. She says, I stretch up to 30 minutes every evening, including use of a yoga wheel. I carry a lot of my stress in my shoulders and I find stretches in the wheel really helps in making myself slow down and concentrate on slow breaths. I've had lots of back trouble lately. Went to the doctor. He goes, you can start doing yoga. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to do yoga. He's like, it's going to really help your back. So I'm about to do some yoga as well. Kathy, uh, <laughs> Kathy Pellisier says, my dogs help with this. She's got a picture of her dogs and a beautiful this sunrise or sunset. She said, they forced me to slow down and just be in the moment. I also have to take them for several walks throughout the day, which helps me to just focus on being present. I agree with Kathy OG, that mandatory break, right? That 15 minute break and the dogs make it mandatory is, is fantastic. Good stuff. We've got several more here. If you want to hang out with us and answer the question of the day, which is always going to be about a recent guest on the show, head to uh, our Facebook group, The Basement. Just put Stacking Benjamin's Basement in your search feature on Facebook and come join us. All right. That's going to do it for today. One last thing is OG and his team are taking clients. So if you want a better year in 2021 than you had in 2020, you need a better team in your corner. OG and his team are there to help. You deserve it to at least have a good friend in your corner, look at things, and at the very least say, you know what? Things are going well. StackingBenjamins.com forward slash OG gets you to their calendar. 
That's going to do it for today. Oh, one more thing. Big thanks to people that have left us a review of this show or who have told people about the Stacky Benjamin show. It's always, it's always so fun to see who mom has uh, on the refrigerator today. And on this particular day, mom's bragging about shredding dollars review. Five stars. Great podcast for those new to saving for retirement. This show does a great job of encouraging safe, reliable investments that set you up for retirement. And they do it in a very interesting way. You'd think talking about investing for retirement would be dull, but they're very engaging, starting off with perspectives on an interesting headline or two, interviewing a guest and throwing some trivia in really makes it a fun time. They've made me look forward to Mondays. Thanks a ton for that, Shredding Dollars. And uh, mom's bragging about you on her Zoom calls this week. All right, that's going to do it for today. Doug, you got it from here, my friend. What should we have learned today? So what should we have learned today? First, take a lesson from our headline. FinTech will continue to take over more and more of your financial life. So keep asking yourself, is there a new solution that can take the mundane stuff out of my hands so I can focus on the big picture moneymakers? Second, take a lesson from Mark Randolph. Well-meaning people might tell you that your idea won't work. So you need to have conviction and trust in your ideas. But the big lesson? <sighs> Joe's mom just told me that I have a lot in common with James Dean. She said he's a rebel without a cause and I'm a rebel without a clue. Funny joke, ma'am, but I do have a cause. Pre-cooked sausages should also be just cooked. But until then, can you smell what Doug is cooking? It's amazing. Thanks to Mark Randolph for stopping by the basement. You can learn more about Mark's podcast, That Will Never Work, wherever podcasts are distributed. This show is created by Joe Salcihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter, at SBenjamin'sCast, or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I really thought doing these credits completely naked would have been a lot more fun than it actually was. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remunerations. That's a big word. There's no way you take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. And before making any financial decisions, consult with a real financial advisor. So I mentioned last week that I was having a, my first colonoscopy that I waited two, almost three years too long to do. You got to get this done. A friend of ours, dad passed away, two friends, dads that had passed away. So 
catch that stuff early. But I put it off, a little nervous about it. I get this uh, prep stuff that I got to do. Have you drank this stuff before? No, because I'm not an old man. Good, bro. It was pretty funny because I was talking to Doug about it because he's had to do it too. And oh, yeah. uh, it's right about how being old sucks. Well, and I told him, I said, you know, I'm just going to sit and play Xbox. You're like, this isn't so, oh, I got to go. <laughs> I, I, I told him, I said, I'm going to sit and play Xbox. He goes, no, you want to be closer to the bathroom. I'm like, <laughs> oh, you're not. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, well, I'm two, I'm two doors away. And he's like, he's like, yeah, you're going to want to be close. You might to want a Game Boy. You're going to need one of those <laughs> Nintendo Switches for a few days. And it was so gross to drink. So I drink the thing. And uh, yeah, you have a limited amount of time too, right? You have to like drink it within five minutes or something. You can't like drag it out, right? They actually say to drink, just drink it. Mine said, just drink it. And then it said, with it, deal with, with it. It said, within an hour, drink two more uh, full glasses, and they give you the glass of the uh, water out of the same receptacle. So, anyway, and do that within an hour. So, I go back and I fire up the Xbox. And I'm going to say it's maybe 15 or 20 minutes later that my stomach starts gurgling, just this. I'm like, oh, that's, that's, that's kind of weird. See, it's it, working. Everything's kind of heading that way. There's a, there's a lot of ships headed for the Panama Canal. Oh boy. And, and so, yeah, yeah. The first time I'm like, oh, yep, think I got to go. And then he was exactly right. I pretty much left a book. Next to the thing. This is the part of the story. You don't need to explain any further. No, no. So that was fine. It was funny because everybody says that's the worst part. And if you've never had a colonoscopy, I'll tell you, yes, that's the worst part. Because the next morning, I'm all nervous. I've only been put out once or twice. Mm-hmm. And so I go, I hang out. I pretend like I'm doing okay. The woman, though, goes to take my blood pressure. You know, she puts that strap around my arm. And then she looks at me and she goes, are you nervous? And I said, uh, yeah, kind of a little bit. She goes, she goes, yeah, your blood pressure is something over 105, like through the roof. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Might be a little nervous. She goes, I think you're nervous. Yeah. You're like, it could be the eggs and bacon I had for breakfast. <laughs> I'm not sure. They did ask me like three times. By the way, Doug told me that when he did this, he didn't read the instructions correctly, ate a full pizza for lunch the day before. Obviously. And then had the the worst time trying to get all that stuff. Yeah. So anyway, they finally wheel me down to the operating room and we just sit there. And then all of a sudden there's all these people, like there's just me and these two nurses. And then there's all these people, there's really only five people, but it felt like all of a sudden there's a flurry of activity. <laughs> and you're like, I never thought that this would happen to a guy like me. But there I was sitting in a hospital room with two nurses. <laughs> and, they, and, and, it, no. and it was later. It, it was later. It was five women, all who were going to be looking at my butt. So uh, anyway, uh, looking at it, brother. They put they me looking at it. Yes, that's true. They put me over on my side and the doctor who's doing the procedure talks to me. Seems great. And, uh, Which and then decap do we need to replace today, Mr. <laughs> and then the anesthesiologist comes over and she asked me a couple questions and then she goes, it sounds like she's across the room behind me. And she said, Hey, you're going to feel something a little cold, but that's normal. And I reply back. I go, I don't feel anything cold, but, but I'm starting to feel a little woozy. That was the last thing I remember saying. 
And then I wake up. We got a runner. <laughs> that I, that I, we're all streaking to the KFC. <laughs> we're all streaking. There's a, there's a dart in your neck, man. <laughs> you're, you're so silly. A, you got a dart in your neck. I, I wake up and I find out it's been 35 minutes later. And they actually had trouble putting me out, they said. And then I heard that you're really goofy afterwards, like different people, they say things or whatever. And yeah. I, w- I was just happy. I remember it all. I just, just felt to keep your mouth shut. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> do not say all that horrible stuff that's going on in your brain. Yeah. Do not do it. But um, anyway, so does it feel like it's like literally like one second later, it like did. you're out and you're oh, awake. Totally. Didn't feel like I slept or anything. I remember when I felt woozy, I'm like, wow, this feels great. Like, this is awesome. But this then with the bourbon I drank in the, in the like, <laughs> that's the stuff I would be saying. Be like, now, does this stuff mix good with bourbon? Cause I had a pint of it before I came in. <laughs> but that, uh, y- me down. yeah, it didn't feel like I slept or anything. Like I didn't wake up feeling relaxed. I just felt like I closed my eyes and bam, they're open. And I'm like, what happened? Well, uh, where is everybody? They're gone. It's 35 minutes <laughs> later. Yeah. They're on to the next room. So weird. Yeah. Uh, but go get it done people. I know that a lot of people put it off and you don't want to find out too late. Don't want to find out something bad too late. They did find a polyp. They had it tested and I'm fine, but could have been worse. Okay. TMI. Well, stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's military appreciation month and we are giving out shout outs to all of our friends who have served in the military and let's point uh, the finger right here at our good friend og who spent time in the military of course we know what a giver he is even when he pretends like he's being uh, mr surly navy federal offers member only exclusive rates discounts and tools to empower their members to help them reach their goals visit navyfederal.org celebrate and you'll see all their military appreciation month offers and other Navy Federal offers. They've got all kinds of resources on their site, like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. So much going on. Just head over to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and take a look at all the Military Appreciation Month offers and their usual offers. Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.